As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. It's time! With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are popping, to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Las Vegas, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about, but maybe you're afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. News, President Trump, film, TV, current events, sex, drugs, rock and roll, it's no holds barred radio. And to prove that, I'm here with my co-host, TJ DeSantis, and our special guest for the day, I am here with Lisa and Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. And hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Very good. Thank you. I want to tell our listeners internationally about you. I'm sure many, many, many of them recognize you. Lisa is known to most of the world 20 plus years, Lisa, you've had success in the adult film industry. Yes, sir. Tough business. Kudos to you. Uh, you've become the leader of the MILF revolution. I'm not going to exactly say what MILF is, but I think most people out there over the 20 have heard the term MILF. And during that by time. The way, by the way, interject. My is Lisa Ann Fine is what one of my fans told me MILF should stand for. Wait, give me that again. Oh, My is Lisa Ann Fine. <laughs> there you go. That's that'll work. I like that. Perfect. Perfect. Trademark it. Trademark that. If you want to tell the world what, what, what MILF is, you can say it. Go ahead. No, it's okay. We're fine. Okay. We're okay. fine. They can Google it. <laughs> they can Google. All right. During the time that you've been in the 20 years, uh, you've done pretty much everything. Uh, you were the most searched for adult star. You've done feature dancing, producing, directing. You've run a talent agency. You're hosting radio shows on Sirius XM, of which two of them are sports shows. That's very cool. That's one of the reasons you're on It's Time Radio today. Um, and also, too, basically, you're, you've kind of a, you've done a lot of things in pop culture. I mean, I, I read about where you were in one of Eminem's video on the song We Made You. And one of the things a lot of people will know you for is the Hustler series, Who's Nail and Palin? Because back when Sarah Palin was really popular, when there was a chance of presidential run, uh, you took advantage of that with your people, put out a show. People loved it. They watched it. I admire your diversity. I like that a lot. And with that, you've actually broken barriers in your industry. Your, your podcast is called the Lisa Ann experience, which is on the gas digital network, which we're on right now. And I know that you have a lot of followers there. So I found it very interesting when they came to me and said, do you want to have Lisa Ann on? Because we've had a number of people from the adult industry um, and I don't like talking about the same thing with all these people in the adult industry, but I found that the guests we've been lucky enough to have, which I'm sure you're going to surpass the others, have actually been very intelligent, very cool, 
And almost like girls next door, TJ and I look at each other and go, really? That's your choice of occupation? It's like, I would never figure it out if I met you. So not that there's anything wrong with the occupation. It's, a, it's an occupation like anything else. So with that being said, um, I want to talk to you about one thing in particular um, before we go into what's going on in your life right now. The whole sexual harassment thing that's happening, the Me Too movement, uh, the Weinstein situation, uh, which uh, the Weinstein company has now just filed for bankruptcy because they're they haven't even paid what I heard a one point three million dollar American Express bill they owe. So they're doing everything they can to survive now or play the game of survival. However, they're working it in the adult industry. I haven't seen anything in the news unless I've missed it, except for uh, was it Stormy Daniels and the Donald Trump ramp or rump or whatever you want to call it. Uh, the. Um, one uh, others have commented about that, but I haven't seen anything where people say, well, this person is vivid as an example, or this person, I'm accusing them of harassment of this, that, or the other. Is that because the industry is an industry that involves and surrounds sex, that there's no room for that? Or are people worried they're going to lose their job in a sex industry talking about sexual harassment? I'm just, I don't know. I'm Let me just tell you me first. I will say this. After watching the news and seeing this all evolve and grow to be such a massive story, I kind of went to my friends and said, so you're telling me as a nude dancer and a porn star, I was touched and harassed less than these famous people? Like, I've been in this sheltered world where... We communicate. And when I would sit, when I would get a guy that wanted to buy a lap dance from me, right before we would start the dance, I would joke with him and I would say, this is a no contact sport. Uh, you can't touch me. Because for me, it was a germ thing. I don't want someone's hands all over me. For me, it was a violation thing. And for me, I'm selling a fantasy. And as soon as I let you touch me, it becomes a reality. Now let's go to set. I'm a very firm woman. I talk to everyone about what I want in advance. There are some girls right now that are going around and saying things did happen to them on set. I find it hard to believe because our sets are so small and you're normally not in a closed area with one person at any time. But on my new movies, on my sets, when I hire other talent, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to make sure each house has a designated bathroom that my female talent can have to herself that no one else shares. I'm also going to hire a makeup artist to stay on set all day. And that makeup artist's responsibility will be to make sure that she's the full-time buffer between my female talent and anyone, just so nobody can claim something happened that may didn't happen. When it comes to bad experiences, anytime I've had one, I've addressed it immediately. I can't brush a bad experience under the rug. So I address it and I'm not addressing it for myself. I'm addressing it to save the next person from it happening to them. And I was disappointed when I started to see all this news flood out because though everybody was speaking their truth and I know we have to empathize and I empathize with anybody that feels that something was taken from them that shouldn't have been. But at the same time, when you choose to make money, and continue your career over saving the life or the uncomfort of someone else, you made a bad choice. Mm -hmm. And there's people that I worked for that I walked off set. There's people that I worked for that I would never work for again. But anytime I had a bad experience, I made sure I shared it with people that would share it with other people. It's not a buddy system. It's going to all of the agents and saying, I just want to let you know this took place because I want you to protect your girls and be a little bit more guarded. We all have to stand up. And, you know, I helped a young girl about three years ago 
who was the victim of date rape. And um, I was mentoring her. She was 21 years old and she didn't want to tell her mom. And I said, well, I'm going to tell your mom because you told me and I'm your mom's age. And the right thing for me to do is tell your mom because your mom is going to make sure that you do the right thing and that you do file a police report. And she didn't want to do it. She was so reluctant. Well, then she heard from another girl that he did this to her after it happened to her. And I said to her, now you got blood on your hands. Now you allowed something to happen to another young woman. So now you know why it's important that we all just speak up, speak up. Don't carry it with you. Don't go and make more money from that person. You should never want their paycheck again. You should be saying, I'm done with you. You're dead to me. I don't care how powerful you are. No, I agree with you. And, and, and kudos to you on the way you handle yourself, you know, cause you're dealing with it right there. You're nipping it in the bud, shall we say, or however the case might be as an example of walking off set. It's kind of people, you know, thinking about your industry and wondering, what does it take for you to walk off set? What's an example of something that happened on a set that you had to walk off? Uh, my male talent was switched on a set years ago, and it was a member of talent that just came in from Brazil. He did not yet have an American test. Uh, their testing policies are different in Brazil. And um, we we were having an issue at that time with things coming over from other countries. So when the director came to me and said, you know, we switched your talent, here's his test. And I just said, sorry, I'm going home. I can't take this chance. And ironically, when that guy did test, he was one of two people that came over with HIV. Oh, geez. So you you, you missed it. You, you skirted I one. skated right the bullet. Yep. Wow. That's scary. That's scary. That's yeah. really scary. Now, you know, the, the, the law that was passed in California, and tell me if I'm incorrect on this, uh, Chatsworth, which was the haven for, you know, porno filming for many, many, many years. I know. Nights, you name it. <laughs> then they made the law a few years ago, approximately, where adult performers had to wear condoms while filming. So is that still a law? And so they, there was never a law. It? There it was, was never, never a law. law. And what it was, was a bunch of information around election time, which is what candidates like to do to try and drum up. What's the topic that we can use that's going to be awesome, that everyone's going to jump on the bandwagon. And what the industry did that was wrong was the industry jumped to Vegas and started shooting there, where it's also not legal uh, within the city parameters of Las Vegas, but they all fled like a bunch of cockroaches when really what they should have done was what I did. I took my time to do the research. Okay. I said to myself, let's find out what this will cost, what the action will be, because the state cannot enforce a law without giving you a guidebook. I know this because I ran a day spa for four years. I own and ran a day spa and the state board of cosmetology, they come down, they give you this phone book size book. You have to read it cover to cover. They'll come in and inspect you at any time. And if you fail, it's your fault. Well, that task force costs the state something to put this into from a bill to a law would have cost the state $5 million within the first year. Really? So when I was able to garnish that information, I realized, well, okay, they're never going to make this a law because no one in this state is going to agree to $5 million going out, hiring a whole task force that's going to go and inspect these sets and also train us. Remember, they would have to train us all as well. And that's just not going to happen. So it was one of these things that made people jump ship, but I do wish that OSHA 
was involved in inspecting studios, inspecting homes that were renting. I wish that we had homes that were permitted homes that they would come in and check on because some of these homeowners want to rent a home that is not sanitary and they're letting the scenes be shot on the same couch for days after days after days. And then we have a ringworm epidemic. Well, of course we're going to have a ringworm epidemic. You know, you're not cleaning your location. So there's, there's, there's things that could come out of value, but the business just wants to run like the wild, wild west and jump back and forth. Right. And you know, when you say they would come in and train on a con, I'm wondering what training means, how to put on a condom or what do they have to train you for? Well, they would train to be sure that in your kit, you know, things would be labeled, right? You right. have to have things just like any business, any business that you run. You have to have a first aid kit. You have Got to it. have a fire extinguisher. You know, you have to have all of these things to right. run a regular business. We've been living under the radar for so many years now in this business, and it is time we raise the bar a bit, but nobody wants to communicate with the state. So the condom issue is is dead in the water, just like I knew it would be. I knew it was a hot topic, and I knew people wouldn't vote on it because, again, it is a choice. We'd have to go out there and make civilians wear a condom as well. Yes, of course. We tell that all the time. Put a helmet on that soldier. We talk yeah. about it all the time on our show. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you have to be stupid, literally stupid not to, right. unless you know the other person and you've both been tested. You know, everything exactly. is good. It's we just, did it, up our tests. We do test every two weeks now instead of once a month. So that's helpful. It's helpful. But, you know, the overlapping time period of being tested and then two weeks later being tested. And I read and correct me because I'm sure you know better than me that the virus can be undetectable for a period of time. Dormant. So yeah. Are you, are you completely securing yourself that if somebody's tested every two weeks that you're not coming up against anything as a performer? Well, what you can do is something I do is I'll pay for a clean test 24 hours before my shoot. This way a guy has a new test to work off of that I paid for. And uh, I know at least he's been tested one more time in case he did 10 scenes between his test date and mine. Since right. I'm only going to be shooting maximum four days a month, I don't want to expose myself to that much risk. Right. So I can do that. You know, it's not a foolproof method. It really, really isn't. But nor are condoms, and condoms cause more risk because of the tearing of the skin. And condoms take so much sensitivity out of the scene, making it so much harder for the male performer that it's just an obstacle in business. So it's a choice. So when you drive to set, you have to know that you're making that choice, that you are taking a risk. Got you. And is, is HIV um, infection an issue? I mean, are people still coming down with it actively in the United States? Uh, as far as in your industry, in your industry, not in our industry as much, but actually in the population, in the younger population, we have a larger percentage than we've had in the U.S. in years. And I'm not talking about people in the porn industry. I'm talking about younger people who are more experimental. There's right. also more drugs flowing through our country than we've seen in so long. And, you know, when people are drinking and doing drugs, you cannot always bet that they're making the best decisions sexually. Yeah, I read an article where the uh, overall um, percentage of HIV infection has actually gone down, but the younger generation up. has gone up. Yeah, it's yeah. gone up. And for the reasons I'm sure that you're talking about, you've, you've been an adult, uh, an AVN Hall of Fame. You're, you're a Hall of Famer in the AVN. Congratulations on that. Thank you. But you, you retired. You got out of the industry. And the big news is now that you, know, you were involved in production and everything, which you still are, but you're coming back now. And you're with Evil Angel, if I'm not mistaken. The company yes, I Evil am Angel. with Evil Angel, yes. So uh, they say, and I saw this quote, back number four more. Is that the name of the movie? Back for more, yes. Back for more. 
I thought it would make a really fun hashtag. So I designed the box. I I picked the title. I produced the movie. They're my distributor. They're also putting my scenes on their site, evilangel.com. They're a very high-tech company that makes it very easy for a producer to come in, upload content. I don't have to drive to the office with hard drives. They have everything. I come home from my scene. I go into their music library. I picture the scene that I just did that day, and I pick the song that's going to match perfectly for that scene. They have just made it's such a turnkey business that it's easy to be successful with evil angel. And the, one of the reasons I thought about coming back was everyone that's successful leaves and the business is left with broken people guiding other broken people. And it is important for me to stay in my sports radio job with Sirius XM to continue writing my blog, to continue being a strong force with myself and lead by example and take talent every week. I'm picking certain people. I'm reaching out to them. I'm teaching them how to utilize software for social media so that they can take a little break. I'm teaching them how to deal with things on social media. I'm really helping them. I'm empowering them one at a time because I really feel I can come back this time and legitimize these people to make them understand you're a capital building machine and you can change your destiny right now if you do this completely right. And though your friends or family or neighbors may not be on board, if you don't have parties, if you aren't wild, if you don't waste your money, at the end of the day, let's flash forward to 20 years from now, who's going to care? You're going to be the proof. The proof is in the pudding, right? So I'm taking that time now and coming back and embracing the business again and just sharing with everyone like your limits, you're only putting on yourself. You're putting your own limits on yourself. Exactly. You know, and we talk about all, I pride myself on being a role model to the fans I have in my industry by being the best I can be, setting an example when and everywhere I can, because I think the world really needs it. We're going to touch on something about children in a second. But one thing I wanted to ask you about, because you're, you're obviously are a role model to your industry. That's what I'm hearing. I'm just hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. I love hearing it because no matter what industry you're in, to set yourself as a role model and to be an image that people should look up to is very important in every single aspect of life. So congratulations on that. Now, in the porno industry, going back to the days of Boogie Nights when it was VHS tapes and then it became you know films in the theater and then DVDs and all, the, the income streams like the music industry are constantly changing. So you do a movie, walk us through, you know, in a brief example, how does that movie make money with all the free porn that's, that's happening on the internet now? How do you monetize an adult film? It is very different. The hustle has to be much greater. It's no longer you just shoot a movie, you put it out, and it makes money. So right. now you've got to look at all the angles. You've got to look at the internet possibilities. DVD has become very secondary. That's just bonus money, right? You don't look at DVD and he's more as funding anything. But there's apps like OnlyFans where a girl can go on there and sell her timeline to a BTS kind of feel and, and be making some money from OnlyFans. Then there's a girl in the business named Sophie D., she started a website called My Sexy Auctions. You now go home, you put the outfit that you wore that day online, you sell it to a fan. You go to adult bookstores, you meet your fans. You feature dance, you meet your fans. What I've realized is it is a lot more work and the hustle is much greater, but it's still just as rewarding. And I love the challenge. I love all the different things I get to do because you don't burn out when you have variety. You get right. to be, some days you're traveling, 
Some days you're in sweats working from home, putting stuff up, editing <laughs> some clips, you know, editing some photos. So there are a lot more things you have to do, but the money is still there. And if you build a solid fan base and you're good to your fans, they will pay for your product because they want to support what you're doing. I'll say with me, I've never stolen a song, never stolen a movie. I get that people work on these projects, but that's our generation. The younger generation just looks at it like, oh, well, it's on the internet for free. Uh, I'm going to watch it. You know, and so it's expressing to that younger generation. I think that's the role of adults and parents and educators to say, just because something is free doesn't mean you should go out there and get it. So you do have to build that connection. You can't be lazy. And I tell the girls, all of this can be done by your phone at home, by your computer. And you can have all these different streams that if you do the math at the end of the month, will all add up to be the same money that we were just making in a different fashion years ago. Exactly. Very smart. And then again, you can look at the film as almost like the base of your popularity that you build from. So no matter how much money you made or didn't make on that film, you have the ability based like on social media with followers to monetize that with different revenue streams is what you're saying. And I am with you on that all the way. You mentioned the kids. Okay. We, I'd like to touch on something. I have had a few occasions. It even happened to my mother the other day. Uh, she showed me a picture of a porno site that came up when she was looking like it TMZ or CNN or something. And this has happened to me too. I wait, what's that? And it suddenly comes up with continue. They want you to hit the button to take you over. This seems like a form of illegal hacking. And what I worry about is because the kids spend so much time on their screens and we talk about it all time on it's time radio, how it's killing communication skills in this country. Yes. Yes. Even when you see them together, I just was outside of a Dunkin' Donuts the other day and there was like 10 teenagers all together at a table looking at their own phones. I yeah. just wanted to stand up on the table and go, guys, talk to each other. You're in front of each other right <laughs> now. You know, it just, it, it, it grinds me. It, it grinds me too. As, as Simpson says, grinds my gears. There's no question. And then they don't look you in the eye. They don't learn the art of communication. It's going to be very difficult in 10 years to find somebody that can walk in a room, close a deal, sell the room, communicate properly. But what I'm worried about, and you probably know this better than me, I've heard that addiction to porn amongst children and young teenagers, I mean, I'm talking like 13, 14 years old, maybe younger, God forbid. Is this a serious issue as a result of this hacking going on that these porn sites are doing, which should be arrested for, in my opinion, as anybody should be arrested for hacking a site? Is addiction to watching porn an issue with the younger generation now more than ever? I just watched the most incredible documentary on YouTube about young under 12 year old boys addicted to porn. And here's what happens. They're playing their video games. Uh These pop-ups come up, they click on them. They can't stop. They're curious. And also remember this, parents aren't talking to their kids about sex early enough. And this has to be an early talk. Now you have to start planting the seed at eight or nine to make sure no one's touching your child. Then at 10, you have to start planting the seed on how they should interact sexually with others. And then by 12, you have the full on someone could get pregnant or catch HIV talk because it's that extreme. What's happening too is there's these new college courses called porn literacy. And I'm trying to get involved so that I can go and speak because I'm fascinated with what I'm learning. I'm learning from students who grew up first generation where they could see porn on their phone, first generation where it was brought into their video games. And 
they have a slanted whole vision on sex because movies have gotten more graphic. Things are not, believe me, when these pop-ups are coming, they're not censored. It could be a very aggressive scene that this kid sees for his first time. And it's not even that he knows what he's looking at. It's that it stimulates his mind, makes his heart raise. He goes to it and he can't stop. And the parents that were interviewed in this documentary were so devastated that this has been happening under their roof. You know, they think their kid's safe. They're in their house. I'm like, when your kid is on the internet, your kid is never safe. When we're on the internet, we're never safe. TMZ, the news, whatever it is. And so these companies are finding a way to, whether it's phishing or whoever they call it, but they're getting into people's computers and they're they're popping these pop-ups. And it, yeah. it is an issue. And it's making the kids less social because, believe it or not, this porn literacy groups that I'm following, um, they've had sex for their first time much older than us because they had no desire to try it on their own because they were so intimidated by what they saw happening, but yet right. they could satisfy themselves by watching it. So sex becomes a solo activity for them. And that blows my mind. Half the room in this one college class said they were afraid to have sex because they knew they could never perform like the stars that they started watching wow. while playing their video games. Wow. You know, it's, I, I, I actually relish the fact that I grew up with three channels expanding and you had to go to the theaters to see the porno films. They weren't available to me as a kid. And I had the pleasure of having my first experience of innocence gone into losing my virginity to the age that I did it at in the natural way that everybody has all grown up. I, the whole technical world is so valuable and so great in so many ways, but so detrimental and devastatingly dangerous for the reasons that we're talking about right now. It's a real catch 22 and it's not well, going to change. It's, it's a real catch 22. And also you got to remember, Kids are talking their parents into giving them phones by nine, 10 years old now. Oh, yeah. Yep. And parents think that they can go in and block all of this adult content. But just like you and I just discussed, they can't. No. If your mom just had a pop-up, then she's never been on a porn site before. It's not oh. like there was a cookie because she's visited. So, you know, they're given this tool that to me can be totally the enemy to young. And I tell my friends that give their kids a phone by 10, I'm like, you better go through that history every single night. You better not let them have the phone in their room. You don't know who they're chatting to either. You don't right. know if they're going to go run away with somebody that they met online. This happens. I read the news every day and these happens stories all the happen time. all the time. All the time. I mean, then you get into the whole sexual trafficking industry, which can actually be part of that. And that's something that's really, really crazy. Obviously, what we're saying is that as much as we all love our sexuality and sex to the level that we all love it on an individual basis, it's a very dangerous activity. In, in ways that we're discussing. It is. I mean, when we were kids, we would sneak into my dad's cedar closet where he had magazines. <laughs> and, and you know, magazines then, the girls had so much bush, you really didn't see anything. You know, you, right. but it was the adrenaline rush of touching the magazines. I don't think it was sexual for us at all. I just think it was the unknown. Um, and that was as much as it got. And then as we got older, we found a VHS and we were so afraid we wouldn't rewind it to the exact spot that right. we were afraid to watch it and then you had the cable channels where it was squiggly and you would stare at it and see if you could decode something with the naked eye but of course you couldn't but it was very different and now it's just in their face and there's also content being shot that should not be being shot in this country there's Absolutely. just there's just a lot of very degrading content out there and one of the questions in this porn literacy class that fascinated me was it was about consent and the kids that were really into porn said you try it first, and if she says no, you don't do it again. 
Just that alone broke my heart because you should have a conversation before you try anything with somebody. You could scar that girl. That could be considered rape if she wasn't ready for that. You know, absolutely. And porn has made them believe because they believe how these girls are acting is real, but it's acting. But because their parents aren't talking to them about what they're looking at because their parents don't know they're even looking at it. There's this lack of information. That's all they have to go by. And, you know, YouTube has created a lot of issues in many different ways. And, you know, even if you get into non-sexual things, like with the Logan and the Jake Paul situations that have been going on. That was just dark. One of the happiest things that I experienced was that my 10-year-old boy, I I say boy's my nephew and my other was my godson. I always say I've never been married. I've almost been divorced twice, but I help raise these two beautiful children. And it's one of the best things that ever happened to me, right? But he came to me the other day, just last week. And I said, are you, cause he used to watch Jake Paul every day. Wow. That's, and, that's his demographic that young. Yep. Wow. Yep. I yep. never knew. Cause I didn't know who he was till he was on the news. Well, then he comes to me and I said, well, how is Jake Paul doing with Logan Paul getting all this flack for these horrific videos that he's putting up? And he said, well, his subscribers went from 15 million down to 13 million. I, this is very interesting coming out of a 10 year old. Yeah. They know numbers. And he said, and I don't watch him anymore. Oh, really? Because you've been watching him every day. Why don't you watch? I don't like what I saw. And you know what? I don't think he's a good person. I loved hearing that. I loved hearing that. I was very excited about that. That's a victory. That is such a victory. He made that choice on his own. He made that choice on his own. Absolutely on his own. But isn't it sad that at 10, they're making such serious choices? Sad and not sad because it's sad in respect to what we're talking about. It's not sad in respect that the brain is starting to react and be able to make these decisions which will hopefully transform over into the proper decisions in serious areas of life yeah. for his near future, like tomorrow. Yeah. You know, yeah. in that respect, no. And the, you must and the be other very proud. Is, I, I'm very – TJ, I'll tell you, I love my boys, as I hope that's, everybody loves their children. You know, that's I call, just, I call that's them just, my boys. Yeah, you should. But Thank you know, you. kids have to make decisions now. My girlfriend's 10-year-old son was at a skating rink, and these guys asked him to carry this bar. And somehow he knew it was probably drugs. And mm-hmm. when they handed him the bar – he threw it at their feet and told them, don't come around me and my friends again. And then he was smart enough to go home, report the story to his mom, who then went back and reported the story at the skating rink, you know, this and that. But I said to her, like, oh, my God, at 10, your son's having this conversation with you at a place where you felt he was safe. She's like, I know, but I'm so proud of him because he just stepped up for his friends. And then he asked us to pick him up early and they came home and told us. And I was like, kids are smarter now. Much smarter. Much and probably probably even way ahead of where we were when we were their age. Yeah, I I remember when I was twelve years old, a kid or eleven or twelve, a kid in Dallas, Texas, at the time where I was living in Dallas at the time, and I uh, one of my friends brought a condom to school, and there's like four of us, and he's just holding he he's holding it up in the air, and we're all like, wow, really? Mystical condom. Yeah, yeah. and that that's nothing to a twelve year old today, nothing. I mean, they they all know about it. It's it's just it's the age of innocence. It's not gone, but it's not the same. I was still collecting stickers at 12. (laughs) Hey, I'm 60 and I'm still collecting a lot of things. So, you know, enjoy what your passions are. I want to take you uh, out of the realm of your industry and what you are one of the best and excel at and one of the most successful people ever to step into your industry. And I wish you all the best on your comeback. I think it's great. I think your opinions and your intelligence is really, you know, I love it. So can we go into some other subjects and share this Let's talk. Lisa Ann personality? Yeah. Now you have. We have to touch on UFC for a second because we have a huge show happening this weekend. 
TJ, you're there. I got to cover a few things with TJ, and then we're going to go over to a couple of subjects surrounding the UFC that I know you have knowledge of. Okay. So, real quickly, TJ, we've got the big show this weekend. It's, it's UFC 222. Um, we've got Chris Cyborg uh, doing, uh, excuse me, fighting Yana Kunitz, Kunitskaya. Kunitskaya. I got her name down last night. Kunitskaya. Kun, yeah, Kun, Kunitskaya. Kunitskaya. She, if you listen to her sound thing, she goes Kunitz. Sky. I also have the sound thing that I recorded at Invicta. I've called three of her fights. Come on, Buff. Well, no, help me out here because I got to talk about this. If you're getting an Invicta, she like Kunitz, and then her she says Kunitz. So I got to make. I got to talk to Brian Anik. We got uh, John Anik. We got to get this down. Yana Kuniskaya. Okay, good for me. Good for me. Uh, Really looking forward to that. Chris Cyborg is just (laughs) a force to be reckoned with. I have not seen Yana fight. I'm looking forward to that. The big fight also I'm really looking forward to. I was on TMZ the other night with Brian Ortega. They brought him in at, at uh, early notice, or excuse me, late notice to fight the legendary Frankie Edgar. That's going to be a brawl for it all. That's going to be three rounds in the featherweight division. I'm really looking forward to. And Sean O'Malley, the, the uh, fighter that Dana White uh, discovered on Dana White looking for a fight, coming in at the bantamweight division to fight. And, of course, Andre Olovsky and Stefan Struve. Somebody's going to fall down in that fight. I don't see it ending any other way. Very exciting. And Katzengano and Ketlin Vieira. Definitely good. Is it? This is a hell of a card. Hector Lombard is actually the first fight on the FS1 prelims against CB Dalloway. That shows you how stacked yeah. this card is. So everybody, tune in on Saturday to UFC 222. Now the big news hey, yesterday. Real quick, real quick, before you get away from 222, I want to I want to point out that Mackenzie Dern is making her uh, UFC debut, and she's a five-time Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu champion. Uh, really fantastic stuff. Uh, she's very big for 115 pounds. I think she'll end up moving. Uh, to straw weight at some point, but she's a fantastic fighter, and uh, there's no one in the division that is anywhere near her level when it comes to straight jiu-jitsu. The question is, can she employ that uh, inside the octagon? We'll find out, and uh, her fight with Ashley Yoder is a really good fight. And I read where people are comparing her to Ronda Rousey, and she you know, basically said, I just want to be greater than Ronda Rousey, and also she was an Invicta champion. Am I correct in that? Uh, no, no. She's only had one fight in Invicta. She's, only one she, fight in Invicta. She, she's had some trouble uh, making weight in the past, so uh, hopefully uh, she's on point at 115 and, and everything goes well for her. But, uh, yeah, very quick, brief stop for her inside the Invicta FC cage. No problem. I'd have a hard time making 115 myself. So, yeah. so Well, can I interrupt with the women yeah. have a harder time making weight because they're going through their cycle as well, right? So when you're retaining and holding water, if the date of the fight lands during this time, I've been, you know, I read Ronda Rousey's book cover to cover twice, and then I wanted to go down the rabbit hole and learn more about this. And I was curious, uh, how does this affect women? It really does have an eight to a 10 pound difference for them that they can really struggle through when they get the card and they realize, Oh, it's it's three weeks into my cycle, and 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 this is where I'm going to be, and it's going to be you can it's it's different weight that's uncuttable, right? So even and, though they're not drinking the water, they're still holding, and and it's fascinating that this is something that affects them and make it harder for them. Well, at least think, think, think so. about this as well. When you're talking about someone like Mackenzie Dern, she fights at 115 pounds. If we're talking, you know, five to 10 to 15 pounds, we're talking about sizable percentages of her body weight. So that, that's right. something to keep your eye on. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. It's it is fascinating, and you know you mentioned Ronda Rousey, so I was going to go on another, but let's let's go into Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey now has uh, signed the contract, made the move to WWE, showed up last week on a WWE show, and dumped a Triple H through a table uh, in front of Stephanie McMahon, made her presence well known. I'm very happy for Ronda. 
I mean, I we've discussed many times our show. Her MMA career in her mind is over, and that's fine. Could she still fight? Yes, she could. Would she be the dominant factor? Probably doubtful with everybody else going, but she'd still be dominant in her own way, uh, depending on who she's matched against. But she chose to go to something she loves, which is the WWE. I think they're working on a thing with her, uh, her girlfriends and her her members of the Four Horsemen. Am I correct in that, TJ? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Shayna Baszler actually already has a a deal working with NXT. Uh, I don't know if Uh you're going to see Jessamyn Duke or Marina Shafir involved at all, but uh, Shayna's already in the mix and and is a very accomplished pro wrestler. Uh, She was long before Ronda was ever getting in the mix. So uh, one day maybe we'll see Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey uh, in a tag team or something like that. Cool. Very cool. Not your industry. (laughs) Oh, geez. Come on. Come on now. You know, Rhonda has a great story and she started fighting so young. Um, I really think what it was, was the force that she put on her body starting at such a young age. Uh, and also you can't be a one trick pony in any activity, especially a sport. People start to know you too well. It's just like, you know, in MLB right now, it's spring training. You know, some of these rookie pitchers are just getting everybody's pop, putting pop on the ball and hitting home runs because they've watched enough of them already in camp, right? It's all about what people are learning about you. And and Rhonda's motivation was there. But let's face it, everyone that fought her got to know exactly what her next move was going to be. And I believe that that was the end of it. I also think before that first fight that she lost when she was shooting, wrote her book, did all these things, I think she had an agent in her ear that may have been pushing her too hard. Whereas all the years before that, all she was focused on was her fighting. And you cannot take that dedication and add in fluff and go on the Entourage movie and go and do all of these other things and not have it take away from something that you're really good at. And that's what it did was it took a little bit of her focus away. Well, yeah, whenever you you know, divide yourself into too many things, like I say, focus on one, be successful at one. When you go to two, you could wind up doing both 50% or the term half-ass and compared to the right. way you normally do it if you got three or four. But, you know, she's very strong. We've talked about this on the show many times, and a lot of the uh, part of the issue at the time with her then-trainer, you know, convincing her that she was a superior striker, going sure. up against superior strikers. Uh, you know, she was not at the time, and that was proven in the outcome of the fights. But, you know, she made the MMA industry, or rather brought it to the forefront. With she the sure did. Creating, you know, creating female MMA. Yeah. She, she should be congratulated on all her accomplishments. Thanks for all the accomplishments she's done to lead and pave the way for all the other young female MMA fighters coming up. And I applaud Ronda Rousey for that. I like Ronda. She did a great job, but she recognized it was time to move on. And she's in a she's in an industry in the WWE, which she has openly spoken about the whole time she's been in MA that she's very passionate about. She loves it. So she's doing what she loves. And for that, I wish her the best. I hope Me she's too. making and I'm sure she's making millions of dollars a year doing this, the way the WWE is probably gonna, you know, build around her. And she deserves it. And I'm you know, good for you, Rhonda. I wish yeah. you all the best. Look and great listen. dumping Triple H through the table. Wrestling is such an entertainment sport, right? Like I got out of following wrestling for years, but I've, I mentioned to you before we started, now that Rhonda has come about, now I'm like, okay, I'm going to start going to some summer slams. Like I'm going to be into it because I love her. The entertainment factor, I got the honor of working with China uh, when China had her brief visit in the adult business. And I'll tell right. you what amazed me about China. They hand you a script on a set and they hand it to you 10 minutes before you're going to be in front of the lights to read it. Okay. China read that thing and had it memorized the first time. Good for her. 
wrestling really teaches them like they know how to project. They right away when I saw her, I was like, oh, she does not belong here. Well, she, if you she's a genius. <laughs> but if you look at the successful wrestlers that are out there, it's not just their wrestling ability, which is actually secondary to their interview, their story building ability, the story building ability, their ability to act. And that's why uh, a lot of wrestlers have transformed very well over the screen. Of course, The Rock being the most successful oh, actor in the world, highest grossing actor in the world. Right. Uh, he knows how to turn it on and turn it off. And he's acted not just doing the, the action films, he's played different roles. He's proven himself to be actually a very fine actor, you know, and there's a, there's a couple others making their headways, but they come from an industry where they're used to being on camera and acting. So yes. it's, a, it's a very, for some, uh, an easy transformation with a good director behind you, of course. Pro wrestling so, is physical improv. I don't, I don't know if you it guys is. feel that. No, it that's is. a way to put it. That's a good way to put it. I, I like that. So let's go on to... Can Next. I tell you a quick wrestling story about me as a yeah, kid? Go. So my brother and I were really into wrestling and we were doing, it was this Superfly snooker was like everything at that time. Right. You know, so it was that era junkyard dog. And so of course we were breaking a lot of things in my mom's house because we were doing everything that they did. We were jumping off the, the chair onto the couch, onto the coffee table. Like we were, anytime she wasn't in a room, we were breaking something. So my mom decided she was going to take us to a wrestling event, get us really good seats and explain to us how it worked, that it was really like an improv kind of thing. And my brother and I were just like so mad at her for like almost ruining our idea. But as an adult, I looked back and I was like, she was trying to save her furniture. We went through a lot of glue, trying to glue vases back together. And then she'd put water in them and water would spit out everywhere all over her. <laughs> She was just trying to save her belongings by letting us know that what they were doing was not something that we should be doing at home. Oh, we come were, on, though. We that's... were into it, man. It was great. We broke pretty much everything she owned. That, that's a bummer, though. What she did is is basically told you all about Santa Claus so she didn't have to buy you any more gifts. Like, oh, that bums we me out. We were mad. We were mad. The whole drive home from Philly to Easton, we did not talk to her. We were like, you just crush our dreams. She's like, well, I'm saving my furniture and my belongings. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a Pennsylvania girl? I am. I grew up in Easton, Pennsylvania, home of Larry Holmes. I grew up a large amount of my I know Larry very well. I, I grew up a large amount of my life in Philadelphia. Okay. So I moved from Philadelphia to Malibu when I was 15. It was kind of like that Frankie Avalon transition. Oh, what a beautiful transition because Philadelphia wasn't what it is now back then. Now it's no. No, it wasn't. It was a, it was a bit of culture city. shock. It was a culture shock making that change. And yes, Philadelphia is a very beautiful city now. I've been there many times since I left. Uh, let's go on to another big story that's happening in the MMA world, and that's John Jones. John Jones uh, went in front of the uh, commission yesterday. Um, long story cut short, he's trying to get the ability to go and fight again, but his license has now been revoked uh, definitively. He has to pay $205,000 in fines that are against oh. him, including including 40% of his $500,000 disclosed pay or another $200,000. So you're looking, if I'm incorrect here, Four hundred and five thousand dollars. No, in no, fine. Bruce, you're wrong. You're wrong. Forty percent. How much? Forty percent is two hundred and five thousand. That's what they took. Okay. Because okay. oh, it says here in the six to vote, they moved to revoke the fight license and levy two hundred. Oh, got it. Including. Pardon mm -hmm. me. Okay. Well, still two hundred five thousand is a lot of money to come up with, no matter oh, how yeah. much money you have. There's no question. Now, how long is his suspension until when? Two thousand nineteen. No. So they didn't technically suspend him. They revoked his license. Now. When the athletic commission will allow him to fight again, th that's up to each jurisdiction at this point. But right now, 
What California is doing is opening the way for USADA to hand down a suspension, and there you're going to be looking at anywhere from two to four years retroactive to the end of July of last year. So uh, I expect John to probably get two years. Um, if it was uh, a, a very unforgiving and maybe just world, uh, John's probably looking at four years, but uh, I think he'll end up with two. And wow. four years, and he still has to pay these fines before that can even be a conversation, right? Yeah, but let's also keep in mind, this was just 40% of his disclosed pay. This doesn't include any of his pay-per-view bonuses. I, I assume John made somewhere between 3 and $5 million on this fight. Easy. So if it really was 40% of his discl- or undisclosed pay, his total overall income, we're talking like $2 million. But uh, still, 205000 nothing to scoff at. But they no. can't go. They can't go after that pay per view money. It's Correct. just strictly on his disclosed pay. Correct. And then you know the other thing that really that bothered me, but it's just like oh my god, they hit him with this when they said that he had to take the test or you know go through the thing, and they claimed that it was his signature was falsified on this well, TJ. John 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 straight up said as he much. didn't take it. He said that it wasn't his test. It was uh, some USADA stuff that. It was informing him of what he needed to do. So he what didn't he needed do to do that, right? His, his management team did that. And then they said, well, then have you ever considered getting new management in so many words? Wow. With Malky sitting right there with him. Right. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's tough. It's a tough one. But, you know, he's but got someone a, isn't leading him properly because he continues to make these mistakes. As I wrote in my book, it's time. The story of how after John beat Ryan Bader, this is before he became a champion, making great money. At 2.30 in the morning, 3 in the morning, I'm walking out of the Wynn Hotel from the Club Excess, and he's walking in oh, by no. himself. By himself. Ready and for it, trouble. <laughs> well, I don't want to say that. but Right, but come on. Maybe he was staying there. Maybe he's <laughs> going to his hotel room. Well, the, the situation was In the club? A, well, you know. <laughs> and he wasn't, in the, cl- he wasn't in the club yet. Shortcut. He wasn't in the club yet. This is in, this is in the lobby, and he was like looking around go, John, what's going on? He goes, well, I got a taxi outside. I don't have any money to pay him. I go, wait a minute. Where's your handlers? I'm alone and you have no money. I put a hundred dollar bill in his pocket. I went out and paid the taxi. I said, don't go to excess. It's winding down. Come with me. We're going to another club. I've got a limo outside and some people and you stay with me. Okay. Cause you should be with somebody. Yeah. So the moment he was, I got in the limo, he's standing outside and Nick Diaz is beside him. Some other people. I go, John, please get in the limo. He gets in the limo. Ten seconds or so after he gets in the limo, somebody gets knocked out exactly where he's standing. Oh. They're, they're, they're out on the ground. I said, you know what? Driver, just please drive because, you know, we had nothing to do with it. It's like these are the things that can happen to you. Where are the handlers? I think a lot of this, uh, it, it, the fault falls on John. But as handlers and management, you need to manage your talent better. Considering that the prime superior talent that John Jones is and hopefully will be when he gets back. I just hope for the record that John gets these, whatever he's dealing with in his head, personal issues, everything. He has a lot of time to get himself to be the best John Jones he can be for when he comes back, even though he's losing years of his prime and tens of millions of dollars. Very hard to wake up in the morning and shave your face when you know you're facing that. But he's obviously a very strong individual, and let's just hope that it makes him a better man for it, and he comes back and he continues to perform in, in the world of mixed martial arts. That's, I mean, can you say anything else, TJ? What else can we say? No, I'm, I'm with you. 100%. Okay, so now we're going to move on. we got some stories here. Uh, our President Trump, how are you? Are you a Trump? Uh, positive Trump? No, I don't talk politics. I was raised in the generation that you don't talk politics or religion in public. Uh, we podcast. only talked at the, di- at the dinner table. I just think 
We are so cluttered with so much constant news. I feel like more than ever in the U.S., the media outlets are just, they're just pumping the veins of stressed society. And they're constantly trying to, whether they're telling us the truth or not, all I can say is I've never seen anyone be in the mix of so much chaos and walk out every day scot-free. It's fascinating to me. I mean, it's just fascinating. I mean, that that this presidential term will have more people that have it on their resume than we've seen in the past 25 terms because of the turnover, right? The people that have worked in the White House that have left the White House and the constant that this is going to keep happening – it is mind blowing all the way up to Hope Hicks. Like this just happened yesterday, just the day before she had gave up. It is just, it's creating so much that we can't figure out that all this needs to stop. And we need to talk about the issues at hand. We need to do better with so many things in our country. You know, what I've decided to do once this election happened the way that it did was my friends and I, we all got together and I said, what are we going to do in our little village to make it better? Because you and I can't change what's going on with the president. So instead of complaining about it and talking about it, what are we going to do? I became very active in my community. I became more active with charities. I did a walk for Alzheimer's with some friends of mine. I decided my company coming back was going to donate a percentage of proceeds to charities every month. A different charity that I could pick um, that's geared towards something specific. First one's going to go towards anti-bullying in the name of August Ames, a beautiful young starlet who committed suicide in December. Um, but what I've done is I'm now, you know, on the board of my HOA. I help my neighbors regularly. I go out there and I sweep the pool every day. I'm trying to just make my little village nicer, fill it with more love, have less animosity because there's enough of that coming out of our TV every single day. And all we can do is be, again, a role model to our sphere of influence within our own little geographical area. Um, and I'm, I'm with you all the way. It's very well spoken. You're very well spoken. I Thank love it. Thank you. Um, Donald Trump's approval rating now is the lowest it's ever been. Just fell, <laughs> just fell five more points down to 35%. It's the lowest and the worst it's ever been. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not casting any aspersions or opinions. I'm just giving the facts. TJ, our friend of the show, the Navy SEAL... Rob O'Neill, who killed Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry to say he had a he had a bad experience last week. Did you read about it at all? I did not. I missed this. Uh, they he was thrown off an airplane. Not <laughs> that didn't come out right. He was taken <laughs> off an airplane, which is like thrown off because airline personnel said he was too drunk. Oh no! Why? Yeah, he had one of those incidents. Uh, before he took the plane took off, the flight attendants noticed that he was extremely drunk. Eyewitnesses say that he called an American Airlines employee a vile name Uh-oh. and then eventually passed out. Apparently, he regained consciousness. When the flight attendant told him he had to get off the plane, he became again belligerent and loud. The police were called. He was escorted off the plane. They called for his ref. There's been no word back. Um, this is an individual that served this country. We found him to be fine and upstanding. Things happen. There's no excuse for it. I hate reading this. I hope it's not an issue he's dealing with. But again, you break the law. You go against things. You pay the price. Just, I was very surprised to read this. And I hope he's okay. That's all I can say. 
Um, I, I nothing but found him to be very nice and uh, a great guest on our show. And he's actually I've been in contact with him since. But I'm not about to call him and ask him about this. I'll just let well, him. you know, I've seen this happen with people that it's so out of character for them. And I think what people do on a travel day sometimes is they're rushing around to get all of their things done, and maybe they don't have adequate food, or maybe they've had a flu and they're taking some sort of medication. And then we have this trigger in the U.S. that as soon as you get to the airport, you should have a cocktail. And I stopped drinking. I used to have a glass of wine before a flight so I could fall asleep. Well, about a year ago, um, I go back and forth to New York a lot. And one of the cops that I always have a coffee with at the airport in New York City said to me, you know, you shouldn't sleep on planes anymore. Uh, Women are being assaulted on planes while they're sleeping. And there have been about one rape a week on flights because girls are taking like a Xanax or a sleeping pill. And then they're waking up and things have happened to them. Well, for the benefit of our audience... Rape is not the actual act of forceful intercourse. It could be digital insertion. It could be even touching somebody can be considered rape. Is that correct? Touching. Touching. Yes. Wow. That's horrible. And so, you know, in a situation like his, maybe that was the case. You know, maybe he rushed around that day and didn't and didn't plan accordingly and eat. And then he did have one too many cocktails. I'm also becoming very afraid to drink in public because more and more people are getting things put in their drink. Yes. And the bartenders at the airport make you the strongest drink. You get a Bloody Mary at the airport, I'm only 102 pounds. That'll knock me out. That's not safe. I've got to now walk to a gate, find my way, you know, like, nope. So I just don't drink anymore. Well, I'm with you on that. I'm also very careful when I'm out in public, you know, because I've had friends that have been roofied in my presence. And, you know, when you can tell when that happens, it's horrible. I mean, that's, that's so criminal. Don't even get me started on how criminal that is. But that still, no matter how drunk you are, the way you handle yourself, it's still not an excuse to be belligerent and to use mm-hmm. names and to treat people poorly. Um, it's just not. It's just not. Never. That's something inside you that's coming out. Another story that we want to get to here, um, this blows me away. Lisa Marie Presley, she sold off 85% of Elvis Enterprises in 2004 for $100 million. The Elvis estate till today, still today, Elvis Presley estate brings in north of $20 million annually uh, in sales and profits. Now, she is drowning in debt, and now she is more than $16 million in the red. Oh. Uh, her debt is unpaid taxes. Again, it blows me away how people don't pay oh, their taxes. so painful. Over $10 million in unpaid taxes. Um, she has a house in the UK. She's trying to unload it. She's defaulting on mortgages. Her credit cards, unpaid attorney, bill, uh, attorney bills, uh, put to the tune of like $450,000. Oh. And she's basically saying that she doesn't have it. It's... It's, I'm sorry for I'm sorry this happened, but I mean, what do you do? How do you squander any portion that you received of a hundred million dollars? I mean, how do you squander this money? It blows me away it's when I read this about people. It, yeah. It's because people live in this world of payments. So they've got someone telling them you can do this. It'll just be another payment. And then, you know, you have one off month with something. And now you're looking at maybe she has a couple hundred thousand dollars a month in payments. Whereas I was raised in the mindset of, you know, you don't want to have any payments. I mean, we were raised to the fact that you should want to own your home, whereas sure. now we know it's better to play with that money because you want that interest right off against your taxes. It is helpful. But don't get carried away and have a mortgage you can't actually afford in a house that you have to pay to furnish, in a house that you have to have the utilities for and pay the property. Still live beneath your means, but have little debt. This is not an uncommon conversation no. with people that have moved hundreds of millions of dollars. 75% of all NFL athletes file bankruptcy within the first 10 years of retiring. Like, And these guys have 
can move millions as well. It's people in their head telling them that they can do things that they shouldn't do. It's them not wanting to continue their education and learn more. Go to seminars, pick up a book, go online and watch a YouTuber. Figure this out like the rest of the world does. You cannot spend more than you make. And if you've never worked a day in your life, like she really hasn't had to, your value system for the dollar is really skewed. I couldn't have put it better. And Charles Barkley was on our show a couple of years ago, and he said that 85% of all NBA athletes are completely broke or bankrupt oh. within five years. Yeah. You know, there comes a point. The next story here, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to go soon here because I know you're busy. You got, obviously have a lot going on in your life. Uh, you've heard of the French painter, painter Edgar Degas? Yes. The Degas paintings? This blows me away. He, he did a painting that was a depiction of singers in an opera. They just found it unframed on a parked bus. By itself, somebody found this nine years after it was stolen from a museum in Marseille, France. The painting is worth over $1 million. (laughs) It's a a parked bus, and it's just sitting there not framed on the parked bus. Go figure, right? Go figure. Blows me away. Other collectibles here. TJ, we talked about the fact that Dumb and Dumber, the mini bike. Did you see Dumb and Dumber, the movie? Of course. Remember the little (laughs) mini? Of course. One of my faves. So, so the mini bike that they rode all the way to Aspen on, they auctioned it off. Um, TJ, it went for fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Sold it out. Opening bid was eighty five hundred. Went for fifty thousand. Good for I'm people. A, good for people. I'm a big collector. You can see behind me my me James too. Bond poster, other things. I have a ton of collectibles. I love it. You know what? Hold on to them because you buy the right things, they do go up in value. Um, one last note here. I don't know if you've invested in Bitcoin or any kind of cryptocurrency. It's made people multimillionaires, get rich quick overnight, the whole bit. I think it's a long-term investment personally, properly right now. But one of the industry's top leading analysts said that even though Bitcoin is struggling, it will double by June of this year. And it will be back over where it was up to the tune by the end of the year at $25,000 a a lot of people don't understand it. I'm still learning about it. I'm still learning about it yeah. myself. And I will tell you, it's come into the adult business on such a level where twice a week I have to listen to somebody pitch me about these coins. Oh, really? And and what I'm doing is I'm just telling everyone I want to educate myself and I want to speak to people who are more educated than me to give me the insight of why I should be buying into this. What's crazy about this is most people that have invested their savings, do you know that here's the stat. 54, 54% of Americans have less than $500 in their savings account. I mean, in their bank account, savings checking, like no more six months emergency money. All these people that have jumped out on this get rich quick program still don't have a way to make this pay their bills. You know, they're still buying on hope. It's still better to have money in the bank. Life is all about cash flow. Cash yeah. flow is king. There's no question. I did. I did not touch the crypto industry. I had a conversation with some of my poker buddies are very affluent in it that made a lot of money. I did spread a little bit of money around it. Okay. And three things, Ethereum, Litecoin, which is backed by or talked about it backed by Bezos, who owns Amazon. And of course, a little in Bitcoin. I put it there. I'm not going to. Oh, I do look at it every day. I, sorry. It's I fun. Do. It's fun. But it's a hobby. It's, fun. it's a hobby. But I'm looking at a five year plan. If it's going to make something great. You know, but I'm not going to try and invest a ton of money thinking it's going to make me gazillions. But there is avenues here. If you educate yourself, as you so properly say about everything you talk about, educate yourself. That's the key. There is room to make money. But right now, the three tops, uh, Ethereum coin, Litecoin, and Bitcoin, 
are traded on like places like Coinbase.com, which is an app you can get on your phone and buy and sell. That's kind of like the New York Stock Exchange. Now there's the over-the-counter with all these other cryptos coming in. There's going to be tons of scams. People are going to lose a batch of money as I've lost a batch of money through my lifetime in over-the-counter penny stocks. I don't even go there anymore. But it has to be it properly regulated properly understood, and educate yourself properly. That's my suggestion to our listeners on It's Time Radio. Lisa Ann, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Thank Sincerely. I, I, it just blows me away, your industry, that the people, we've been very lucky. Uh, but TJ, I'm going to give Lisa Ann the highest level of intelligence quotient and definitely varied interest and varied topics to talk about out of everybody. Thank you so much for being on the show, Lisa, and I really appreciate it. Congratulations on your resurgence, if you call it, or your comeback, if you call it, whatever you call it. I wish you all the best. I know you have a huge amount of fans around the world, and hopefully we're giving you a few or many more from It's Time Radio. So thank you so much, and tell us how people get a hold of you, follow you. It's your moment. Say whatever you want. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Real Lisa Ann, and you can hear me on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio on Sunday and Monday nights talking all things fantasy sports. Fantastic. And you know what? I would love to have you back on the show Anytime. In, in the future. I'd really I'm going to learn have you more about show. UFC now, okay? I am going <laughs> to learn more. Well, make sure you watch Saturday night, okay. UFC 222 pay-per-view for all the fans listening. All okay. right, everybody. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on. TJ, as always, I'll talk to you next week. I wish you all the best, Lisa. Everybody listening out there, treat everybody around you with respect. Be a role model to your sphere of, excuse me, be a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals, write them down, pick your path, follow it, learn as much as you can about it, and be the best you can be. It's all about winning, and that's what we talk about in It's Time Radio, because it's always time to win. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. We'll be back next week. Buffer out. It's Time with Bruce Buffer is a TJ DeSantis production and is property of Buffer Enterprises Incorporated. Its content is intended for private use only. Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply.